Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 261 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel where you're checking me out live right now. And as always, I remind you guys, please make sure that you're subscribed and please make sure you click on that notification bell. Not only do you get this show live here on the Ring Digital YouTube, you get it live without any ads. We are ad free. All right. So it, it it's a great benefit to check out the show live here on Ring Digital's YouTube. No ads. I can't think of any other major podcast in the boxing media sphere that does it ad free, especially on a platform like Ring. So make sure that you're subscribed, click that notification bell. And of course, the audio pod on Montero on Boxing, all the different uh, podcast platforms around the world. There will be ads on the audio version, but that helps me out. So if you want to check out the audio version later on, that's usually posted the next day. All right. So that will be out there tomorrow. All right. Again, this is two and TNC 261 for the week of April 10th. And we are going to be joined at some point during the show with, uh, we're going to be joined by Jamel Semper Fi Herring, fresh off his TKO6 win over Carl Frampton. That was no doubt the premier career-defining win of his career. Uh, really, really good of him to be able to join us. So I know that he's super crazy traveling. Uh, he's back in the States, by the way, already. So he's probably super crazy jet-lagged, but he said he'll be on the show whenever he joins on. We'll bring him on and we'll chat with him about what's going on. Crazy, crazy options for top rank at 130 pounds. Of course, that includes Jamel Herring, who now I think you have to call him a top three player in that division based off that win over Frampton, who, by the way, retired right after the fight. We'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, and class act, uh, Jamel Herring, sending him off, uh, sending Carl Frampton off into retirement, gave him a ton of credit uh, there right in the ring right after the fight. And then on his Twitter, if you don't follow Jamel, he's a great follow. Uh, one of the more interactive fighters, you know, as far as being interactive on his social with fans and media, pretty much on a daily basis. But uh, he was all class in victory. And we don't always see that in boxing these days. And Carl Frampton was all class in defeat. Two of the class acts in the sport of boxing. Uh, let's see on the on the chat. Uh, one of you is asking about, am I going to talk about Zoo on this show? Yes, I will. Absolutely. We're going to talk about uh, Tim Zoo <clears throat> as soon as we get into the fight review um the schedule you know look we had a few cards last week we got a few cards coming up uh this saturday none of these are huge huge fights this weekend but some interesting matchups man including a really really good test for jaron boots ennis uh so i'm gonna jump here into news and notes oh before i do that i should show you guys the latest issue of ring magazine if you haven't checked this out yet make sure that you do latest issue is out in stores you guys, if you don't like the physical magazine, you can subscribe digitally. And uh, there's deals going all the time on the ringtv.com site. So make sure you go check out our site if you prefer to subscribe digitally. I know a lot of you guys do. But if you're old school like me and you prefer the magazine, I just love the magazine. But I'm old school. I'm 41 years old. When I was growing up, we still had these things. They were still all over the place, right? So some of you younger guys prefer to... Uh, do it digitally. You can do it either way. You can do both. I actually know a lot of people that do both. So, all right, let's get into news and notes. All right, then we'll get into some fight review action. But um, as far as news and notes, uh, not a whole lot of great major 
breaking news, but some fights coming together. Uh, Jaime Mungia versus Macias Suleki is uh, April 24th. That is legit. April 24th. That'll be on the zone at El Paso, Texas. And fans will be permitted. I've seen a few of you guys asking. As I keep saying, week, I feel like pretty much every show, I'm telling you guys, Texas being open for business the way it is, they are going to crush it in 2021. As far as I understand it, this is going to be open uh, 40% to capacity at the venue in El Paso. So I don't know about the mask mandate and all that and how that affects this, but they are going to have fans up to 40% capacity. That's a pretty good matchup. That's a solid matchup. Also, uh, Taylor versus Ramirez. We're supposed to get information finally related to the venue and tickets this week. All right, Top Rank is supposed to announce that this week. So it'll probably be later in the week. We'll be talking about it on next week's show, but that's a big deal. And, you know, a few of you guys have complained about the lack of promotion for that fight. Look, I understand, but I think come, I think the end of April, beginning of May, Top Rank's going to make a hard push promoting that fight. And I think it's going to get the promotion it deserves. I truly, truly believe that. Uh, Jose Zapata is fighting on the undercard. So is Elvis Rodriguez. So they're having a bunch of 140s on that undercard. I think it's very, very smart because it sets up a, a possible opponent for the winner. And then, of course, as I've been telling you guys, down the line, it might be later this year, it might be early next year, but the winner between Taylor Ramirez, I think at some point, is going to fight Terrence Crawford at 147. And I think that's a good fight. Also, uh, Erickson Lubin versus Jason Rosario, they have agreed to terms. They will fight in May, but the, the actual legitimate date and venue, uh, that is still being ironed out. I think I believe it'll be in late May, either the last weekend, the last Saturday of May, or the second to last Saturday of May, as I understand it. Also, uh, Miguel Cotto, Juan Manuel Marquez coming back. All these former fighters, these legends coming back, right? That's just a thing going on right now in 2021. It started with the Mike Tyson return last year, and now it's it's just continuing this year. So Cotto Marquez are supposed to be fighting in June, an exhibition. We shall see. Oscar De La Hoya coming back in July on Triller. I talked a little bit about this last week. And now the rumor is Eric Morales, Marco Antonio Barrera in play for July as well. It's like I went in a freaking time machine and it's 2000, the year 2000 all over again. I don't know what the hell is going on. You know, look, good for them if they could get the money. Cool. For me, if it's Oscar, I'd rather he be focused on promoting his fighters. Uh, the same thing with Cotto. Um, but I will say Cotto has done a pretty good job recently with some of those cards down there in Puerto Rico with some of his fighters. But for Oscar, you know, look, if, if, if it was me advising him, I'd say, hey, dude, promote your fighters. Like, like if you're going to come back, do it on the zone and have your fighters there. But there's some, there's some bad blood. I actually, you know, I thought this was just rumors, but there actually is some bad blood right now between Oscar De La Hoya and some of the guys at Triller. It's not uh, looking too great. As far as I understand it, that contract is lock solid, but um, there's definitely some beef there. So that's part of this Oscar going to Triller thing. I don't know if this is just his way of kind of bitch slapping the zone in his mind or something. I don't know, dude, but when you're going over there with all that money and you've got your own fighters on the zone, I don't know if it's the best look, but whatever, get the money. I'm not knocking any man for getting in there doing this fight or any of these guys coming back and doing these fights, but I really don't want to see it. It's it's just not my thing. I want to see the new guys. I want to see these new guys come up. I want to see the new blood. That's just me though. And I think a lot of you out there share my opinion on this. All right. Um, fight review. 
nobody here on the chat. He says, uh, anybody else hate seeing these old guys returning? Yeah. And then Think Camp in the chat says, I'm surprised Oscar De La Hoya come back not on the zone. <clears throat> I hear you guys. I, I hear you. All right, fight review time. And let's get into this. I haven't heard from Jamel, so I don't know what's going on. But uh, you never know. He's got kids. He's got a family. He's probably just running behind. We'll have him on the show at some point. All right. One uh, of you guys ask about Tim Zhu. Let's start with that, man. Wednesday, March 31st, Tim Zhu improves to 18-0 and with 14 knockouts, scores a TKO5 win over Dennis Hogan in Australia. Uh, knocked him down the fifth. Hogan's corner threw in the towel. So a lot of people were super excited by this win. He looked spectacular. It was a beautiful shot that dropped Hogan. And Zhu is improving with every fight. You see some new wrinkles. He looks more explosive. He looks more comfortable in the ring. There's a lot to like. But some people are talking about him being a future champion or talking about how he might look against Charlo, how he might look against Castano. Everyone need, Again, what do I always say? Pump the brakes a little bit. Pump the brakes. Uh, we got to see him against the top guy. Does he look good as a prospect right now? Absolutely. But to put things in, in perspective here, Hogan, Dennis Hogan, has now lost three straight, including, you guys forget, he didn't fight at all in 2020. And he was coming off a TKO7 loss to Charlo in 2019. So hasn't been the most active fighter, was coming off a knockout loss and a tough fight before that that he lost close. So now he's lost three in a row. All that being said, Zhu has passed every test that has been put in front of him, and he's passed them with flying colors, all right? There's a couple of fights maybe he underperformed a little bit, but the last few tests, he has passed with flying colors. So right now, um, I, definitely a blue-chip prospect, somebody to keep an eye on. But is he ready for the top of the division yet? How can you say that? He hasn't fought anybody in the top 10. So this isn't the strongest division in the world, but it's top-heavy. The top two or three guys maybe three or four, are very, very good fighters. And the top guy right now, Charlo, is an elite-level fighter. So Zoo needs a couple more fights to kind of move up and make sure that he's ready for that. What I would like to see with Tim Zoo is leave Australia. And I know, it's not, guys, this isn't me having American bias, okay? You guys know I'm Mr. International when it comes to boxing. I think it's awesome that this sport's so global. I understand that Zoo is building up a brand in Australia, and he has got... um some money, some major money being thrown at him right now for other fight possibilities. So they are going to continue to fight in Australia. Totally understand that. He is not obligated to go anywhere, anywhere else right now. But if he wants to build himself up to the world level and prepare for elite level opposition, that does mean at some point you're going to have to leave the confines of home where everything's cozy and comfortable for you and fight somewhere on the road. Maybe it's the UK, maybe it's the United States. It it could be anywhere, okay? But I'm just saying at some point, you got to leave Australia and fight on that truly global level. Now, the only exception to that would be if he could work his way into a mandatory position. You guys are asking about Castano and everything else. Uh, Maybe with with that title, he can work his way into a mandatory position, one of Charlo's titles, because he's got several of them. Yes, And maybe if he works himself into a mandatory position, then he can force a fight in Australia. But honestly, guys, if Charlo fights Castano, which I think is going to happen later this year on Fox pay-per-view, I think he's going to be Castano and he's going to completely unify this division. So if Zoo is the mandatory, let's say, works himself into a mandatory position for one of those titles, do any of you 
see Charlo leaving the United States to go fight in Australia, no matter how much money is thrown at him. I don't see that happening. So at some point, now is Zoo ready to fight Charlo right now and say, no, slow it down. All I'm saying is maybe come to the States, maybe come to the UK, wherever it is, and fight a guy in the top 10, legitimate top 10, and beat him, show that you're on that level, and then build up the fight to Charlo, which would most likely would be in Las Vegas or something like that. But he's a little little ways from that right now. But when he's ready, it's going to be damn entertaining. It's going to be a lot of fun. And who knows, man, you just don't know what's going to happen in the sport of boxing. Charlo might completely consolidate the titles this year. And then he might decide to move up and wait in 2022. And then the titles all open up and Zoo could fight for a vacant title or one of the WBA's 5,000 titles or something. And he ends up fighting in Australia for one of those titles. Very possible given the politics of this sport right now. Uh, Hamed in the chat asked, why have I been unsubscribed from the Ring Digital? That's what YouTube does. That's why I remind you guys. And a lot of you think, oh, about Daryl, conspiracy theory. You know, No, dude, every week I see you guys messaging me saying, why was I unsubscribed from the channel? Whether it's Ring's channel or my channel, Montero Unboxing, whatever it is, it happens all the time. I, I don't understand it. But uh, let's see how it says, no notification somehow is unsubscribed. Not sure why YouTube unsubscribed me from the channel. They do it all the time, Hamed, all the time. So that's why I remind you guys every week, you think I'm just being crazy. No, I'm serious. They, they really do this. I don't, they're constantly updating algorithms on YouTube. Um, I think they have motives behind some of this stuff because they don't seem to unsubscribe people from the corporate backed media giants. If you're subscribed to CBS or, you know, uh, ESPN or one of those, you're not going to get unsubscribed. But if it's a smaller, more independent platform, then you're going to get unsubscribed from time to time. It's almost as if there's an agenda there. Hmm. Anyway, back to <laughs> back to the fight review. Uh, Hamed in the chat says, uh, just subscribed. Yeah, that's weird. YouTube playing around. Yeah, man, that's what they do. That is what they do. All right, Saturday, April 3rd, we had a couple of cards, both of them overseas, talking about, you know, the, again, the globalness. If that's, Is that a word, globalness? The global nature of boxing in the 21st century. We had three pretty big events last week, and all three of them were overseas. Wednesday, you had that card in Australia. That wasn't a huge card, but in Australia, it sure was. And then you had this card in Uzbekistan from Matchroom, and then you had a card in uh, the United Arab Emirates in Dubai that featured an American fighter, but it was over in Dubai. So, so uh, you had fights all over the world last week, right? And that's something that you see more and more and more in this sport. But starting in Uzbekistan, uh, Matchroom put on a card in Uzbekistan. As I said last week, man, I thought this was really, really smart. This was a smart move by Eddie Hearn putting this on because there's so many great Uzbeki fighters that came out of those 2016 Olympics, and you're going to see more and more of them. Whenever the 2020 Olympics finally do happen, they're going to clean up again. And when those guys go pro, they're going to be fighting for titles before their 10th pro fight. So in this one, in the main event, Akhmadiyalev scores a TKO5 win over Iwasa, former titleist himself, defends his unified junior featherweight titles. Bullshit stoppage. It was a premature stoppage. I get it. But the writing was on the wall. Uh, Akhmadiyalev was absolutely dominating this fight and was going to stop Iwasa at some point anyway. So, yeah, I didn't love that premature stoppage and everything, but all things considered, 
you know, he was going to win this fight. It, it's not as if it was controversial in that regard. Also, uh, Chakram Wonderboy Giasov improves to 10 and 0 with a KO3 win over Patricio Moreno. Uh, he is a very good looking prospect at junior welterweight. That division's pretty loaded right now. And several of those guys in that division, loaded in terms of the young guys in the division, at some point, those guys are going to be at 147 and replace the, the current crop of welterweights, which I'm totally over these welterweights. Uh, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, all these guys, I'm just over it. They don't want to fight the best. Bring in a new school, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, several prospects on this card, including Israel Madrimov, who got in 10 good quality rounds against an undefeated fighter. Imani Colombo. So those were good rounds for Madrimov. You know, a lot of people were super excited about him, and now they're pumping the brakes and they're saying, oh, maybe this guy's overrated. Look, he's a prospect. And it, it's interesting. There's so many levels, right? It, it, building a prospect into a contender, into a title holder, into a champion, into a superstar. There are so many little levels on that ladder, so many different steps. And sometimes as a prospect or as a contender, you jump a few steps. But then you hit a certain step, and it's just hard to get to that next step it, 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 for whatever reason, okay? And it's like this for people in life in all professions. You guys have, have been there. Maybe you're, you're studying a class, those of you in school, and you're crushing it all year. Then you hit a certain chapter that you just it's, – it's just not sinking in, and you have to really, really dig in and, and focus hard to get through that chapter. But you get through that chapter, and then you start moving up the ladder again and, and breezing through the rest of the class. So – I think Madrimov's just in a in a spot right now where they're slowing down and he's getting in some rounds and working on some things, ironing some things out. But he is going to be somebody to watch. All right. Don't forget about this guy just because he hasn't looked as dominant as he did a few fights ago. That's part of the process, man. Part of the process. All right. Uh, Caesar's Palace in Dubai, United, United Arab Emirates, top rank on ESPN Plus. And in the main event, Jamel Herring, uh, TKO6 win over Carl Frampton, defends his WBO junior lightweight title. Want to talk about a loaded division with a lot of possibilities. 130 right now is just, there's just riches in this division. Unfortunately, much like 147, the best possible fight that can be made won't be made because both, both parties are somewhat at fault, but one particular party I feel is more at fault. Uh, preventing the biggest fight because they have a certain business model that doesn't include playing with others. But anyway, 130 is loaded right now. And uh, Jamel Herring, you know, I just think it's interesting that so many people were writing this guy off after the Okendo fight. There were, he took a lot of criticism and I, I listened to several different podcasts and I, you know, I occasionally click on different YouTube videos and check them out. Uh, you know, I like to see what everybody else is talking about. Whether I jump on a video or something for a couple of minutes or I listen to the whole podcast, I, I try to do that. And there, there were just certain narratives about hearing that, you know, this guy's overrated. He's not very good. Uh, he's going to get exposed. A lot of people were picking Carl Frampton to win this fight. I told you guys all along I thought Herring was going to win. Uh, so there were several factors there. Yes, the size advantage and all those things. Uh, yes, the fact that Carl Frampton in 2021 is not the guy he was in 2016 when he won fighter of the year. All those things are factors. But can we just give this man some freaking credit? He went out there and put on the performance of his career, despite all of the drama that he faced in and out of the ring over the last year or so, put on a terrific performance 
and beats Carl Frampton, uh, beats him up. I mean, Carl Frampton had lost fights before, but Herring dominated, dropped him, and stopped him. And so I think at this point, people just need to start giving Jamel Herring credit. I think he's improved vastly working in that great camp with Bomack, uh, Terrence Bud Crawford. Uh, and I think he's talked about that, Herring has, that you know he's improved being around greatness, iron sharpens iron. And now, like I said before, man, he is a top player in this division. And there's so many things, uh, so many possibilities for top rank. Does Herring fight his mandatory, who I believe is going to be uh, Shakur Stevenson for the WBO title that he has? Or do they do a unification fight between him and Oscar Valdez, which I think is a much, much, much bigger fight? Will the WBO allow that? You know, th- these are all the questions that come into play here, but I think he's sitting in a good position and he's earned it. He's worked his butt off. So actually, I think he's on the chat. Let me jump over here. My mouse keeps freezing up. Damn it. I get my mouse here to reset and then I'll click on, uh, we'll get Jamel here on the chat. But yeah, man, I think he has earned this. And uh, real quick, um, yeah, Carl, I mentioned this before. Carl Frampton retires after the fight. 2016 fighter of the year. Never quite the same guy after that in 2016. Obviously, 122 is his best weight. He was always a little undersized. But for Herring, um, you know, man, you go back to 2016, 2017, you lost two of um, two of three fights. PBC had him fighting at 135. He wanted to fight at 130, but they had other plans. There were things they were trying to do with him at 135 where he didn't quite fit in the same way. And uh, I don't think they believed in him as much. But he signs with top rank. They had a business plan for him, a business model, and it's worked. And um, so far, you know, I think they had him fighting for a title within his fourth fight with top rank. It's gone very well. So let's get him here on the chat. All right. So, uh, let's add him to Mr. Jamel Herring, can you hear me, sir? Hey, don't, yeah, okay, don't, hey, please don't give me an NJP for being late. I, I was actually um, with the family re- re-watching the fight. <laughs> oh, were you really just watching the fight yeah. right now? Well, my, my mother-in-law in town, she, and she wanted to catch it again, so we were just watching it. I, I was just breaking it down round by round for her, and I was like, oh, the time. No, well, hey, man, I get it. I, feel, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say, as a Marine, that's pretty late. That's really pretty late, but but I get it. This is this was the it, you just watched the fight again. Was right. this the performance of your career? Um, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt. I would just um, like I was telling everybody, everybody kept asking me, would, would this be the um the hardest test of my career? And I always said I can't answer that because until the after the final bell, I can answer that. You know, I would mm. say it was the biggest fight of my career, but you know, um, I'm just I'm just glad. It went the way it did, even down to the um to the cut, because you know everyone was um. I see the swelling a little bit right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, yeah, everyone of the braids still still there, you know, on the, the cut still, the stitches right here. But um, you know, everyone was questioning my my heart and character from the last fight. So right, it was, yeah, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that the, the similar scenario played out again. But this time, I was a lot more prepared for it um, mentally. Um, not just that, I like people also tend to forget um. During that time, I was still trying to recover from the COVID. Right. My body was just going through so much at the time and from the postponements. You know, I started training in, like, April for that fight, and I didn't get into, get into the ring until September. And when I right. you know, when I was sick, I couldn't go home because I, I didn't want to spread it to my family, so I stayed in camp. I had a commitment to make to still make the fight. So I, while, I, while I was having going through COVID, 
I'm still trying to focus on keeping my weight down. I'm running by myself. I can't go to a gym with my team because I, I don't, I don't want to spread the virus. But it was just a lot. So, you know, if anything, I took it, all the neg- negativity, and I turned it into a positive. And which, which, what I mean by that is, for this fight, and you know, Mike, as a Marine, I just used it as instructive criticism, you know, as, as you know, as we call it. And I, I remember. I just took it for what it was, but it made me, it just kept me hungry and it made me wanted to go out there and prove that that wasn't me who you've seen against Okendo. Yeah, you, you took so much criticism last year. I thought it was crazy. I know it pissed Jennifer off because I remember seeing some of her tweets and some of the things she said. She's a little upset, but she's she's calm she's down. Pissed off, right? Yeah, yeah. She 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 took it. She took it a lot harder than, than I did. But I know, and you know, with boxing, sometimes you have to go through that. I mean, yeah. Even even the greats um, take criticism. I mean, look at I me. Mean, look at Floyd. Floyd retired, still takes criticism. Right. So it was. For me, it was it was not it was nothing new. I was just more shocked about what was being said, though, in in, in the process. Like, you know, you had multiple COVID. Now, I think at least one of those was a false positive because you tested technically positive multiple times, right? Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Like I was I was coming up one minute I was negative, one next minute. Right, I was, right. I remember when we were talking last summer. Like, you're I mean, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, the same. Pardon my language, but the same, no, the same, the same, the same damn weekend in um, Vegas. The day before, I was positive. Then I took the test again, and I came back negative. And it was like, well, you know, we, we need you to go home, and we'll, we, we'll reschedule the fight for another six weeks. And that's when I got from mid-July, and I had to get rescheduled all the way to September. So, again, I couldn't take any breaks. I had that to – throws the rhythm off with training. I had to go back. I had to get back to the grind. And, yeah. And, and we seen how, how, how it resulted out in September. Yeah, I, I – I just I thought it was very interesting that, you know, people were writing you off after that. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter that were saying Frampton's going to crush you <laughs> and they all disappeared. Isn't that shit funny? I mean, but funny how that works, I will right, say a lot for the, um, for the Irish fans, like, which I understand. A lot of them became fans in the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good, I think you won people but, over. Yeah, but I think it was the ones that like. In my opinion, I just feel like they had something against me to begin with, so they, yeah. they used that Okendo situation, you know what I'm saying, to, to fuel their agenda. But, yeah, right. those those group of people, they kind of, like, disappeared and just, you know, act like those, that, that would never happen. Or they, of course. They never said any of that stuff, you know. For the most part, like I said, I, I'm actually, like I said, I'm glad it played out the way it did. And that just shows, like, I, like me, stuff like that, I, I just I, – I could flip it, like – I'd rather have them go in there thinking that it was going to be a tough fight, and I was, you know, I could be easily been knocked out and right. or, or easily just being overwhelmed by Franklin's experience. And for that, or for everything to be said, and then now I look at it, it's one of my biggest victories of my career. Right. I, I'd rather I'd rather have them say it was a, a well deserved win than somebody say, well, you, you, we expected you to do that, so you, we don't, we're not going to give you any credit for the win. Boxing fans have very short memories. Oh, yeah. uh, it just and the media too. They have very short memories. Um, I want to ask you this because you've talked about it a little bit on. I've seen you talk about it on Twitter and in some interviews. Just training with Bomac, training with Bud, how that has improved you, made you more confident, and not just not just training with them, but I think you use the same like nutrition people and strength and conditioning people Bud uses. How has that improved you technically as a fighter? Would you say? Um, 
like many always said that, you know, they always said I, I had the skill. I just needed someone to, you know, to believe and, and drive, you know, drive me and just, just push me more, push me more in my career. And like, like, like when I got on, like you said, um, you know, 2016, Frampton's having the best year of his career. Right. For me, on the other side, though, you know, people thought that was the end. The Dennis Shavikov fight. Right. Um, to this day, I, I always credit that fight. I, but it's just a Marine Corps mentality. I, I credit it as a lesson. Um, yeah. for that, that when I was going through that, um, I looked at it as when Dennis had literally put put a beating on me. I'm not ashamed to say it, he put a beating on me. When I went home, I just took it as okay. This is there's levels I need to get to in order if I want to be successful and become eventually even even just even challenged for a world title. I had to get to these certain levels, and then you know I came in with a bounce back win again with the uh, like Darius Miller fight. I thought I, I thought I won it, but a loss is a loss on paper. And you know in boxing, they they might say, oh well, yeah, we we felt you we, you won that, but at the end of the day, the loss is a loss, and right. it was, you know it, it's a it's a a few steps back. So that's then I had to, um, you know, make some changes. Um, we see it in boxing, you know, and I, and for me, I took it hard because I'm so very much a historian of boxing. I always look at it as when people look at Olympic classes, they always look at the, the names and they go down the list. I'm like, well, this guy had a good career as a pro. This guy, uh, you know, he was a good amateur, but he didn't really do, I didn't want to be that guy. So right. I knew I, I know I had to make some changes, and that's when I went over to. Um, I remember at, at the time, I was actually a sparring partner for um, for Terrence when he was getting ready to fight in Donegal because he needed just another softball. And he used to vouch for you to top rank, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, okay. he, yeah he, him. And, um, you know, my, my partner JC, they were vouching for me for everyone. Like they they went. We went to right. Golden Boy. We went to main events. Um, you know, we Lou Bella, we was we was going, you know, I was just trying to, you know, get that second chance. And um, you know, Ty Rank was actually one to finally give in. And but I knew my back was still against the wall. And even then my first fight with Ty Rank, I got cut open. I had got cut work bad. That but, was on a Loma Lonares undercard. Oh right? yep, yep, yeah, yeah. 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 It was, yeah. And I had but I had to make a statement that, you know, that I, I really wanted this badly and you know. I ended up stopping the guy. And remind you, this is a guy, pre, a fight before. He had maybe a couple weeks before. He had just fought, you know, the um, a prospect version of Teofimo, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he took Teofimo to the distance. So, you know, their team thought, oh, yeah, we, we went um, the distance with, with this young, hot prospect. Oh, we know um, Jamel's coming up a loss. Oh, we, we, they was really, they was feeling real confident. So, right. you know, I, I had to deal with the adversity of that, but. Like I said, everything like I, people always ask me if, if I would have changed anything in my career, I would say no because it, it made me to the person that you see today. Um, right. those, those ups and downs, those lessons, it, it, it molded to me and it made me appreciate what I have now. And you're definitely peaking at this point, and you're in a power position. I mean, let's talk about where you want to go forward. And I know it's only like maybe 48 hours from <laughs> the fight, but if if you could choose. You know the WBO mandatory situation with with Shakur Stevenson. You know the WBC title holder is Oscar Valdez. Where would you like to go if you had a choice between those two? Or would it be somebody else like Lomachenko, who still is rep by top rank, and that's a a possible fight too? No, the choice is is, uh, Oscar Valdez. And there's nothing against Shakur. Shakur's my guy. Uh, Shakur, I feel like he's going to be a great – a great, uh, my daughter, a great teacher <laughs> and ambassador in, in the sport. Oh, she's gonna come out and say hi. Yeah. Hello. Hey, how you doing? 
You're like, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. Like, for me, for me. <laughs> They love it when I sign I'm not there yet. I'll be there maybe in a couple of years. I don't have any yet. Yeah, but for me, like I said, I would choose Dallas because just in fact where, where he's at at the, on the totem pole. You know, um, right, right. And like I like I mentioned earlier, like like me being so rich in, in history and boxing, there's so many titles out there, and it's like in order for you to be the champion of the division, you got to either unify or you have to fight for that lineal championship. And that's why I made it known, you know, to Doug and, and the whole, you know, the whole Ring Magazine family. Right. You know, I grew up, I grew up, you know, looking at the rankings, not just the pound for pound, but like just going through all every, every weight class and and, and they say, and it'd be like, man, like this would be a good fight. This would be a good fight. Oh, he's ranked here. So, you know, just when, when I, when like, it was a dream for me when I, when I beat Edo and I just seen my name in the ring, in the ring, yeah. you know, rankings. And then I was yeah, like, yeah. And I always go, okay, what's next? All right, well, let me try to climb my way up to at least, you know, the top three. Okay, and then you get there. And it's, but it's, like for me, it's like, okay, I'm there now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in terms of that, in terms of you know that exposure with, with a big one like that, I all, and I don't care what anybody says. Like you see it, Mike, with all these titles around. It's like everyone's getting titles, but everybody can't get a hold of the ring magazine title. Right. I don't care what they may say or criticize how. Is ran or whatever, but you still everyone can't get a hold. Even the number one guy in certain divisions, he's not the ring magazine champion because he didn't fight this guy or that. But so if I have the opportunity to fight this guy above me, whatever, and and, and it puts me in terms of getting that that ring magazine title, why not? I mean, those those opportunities are rare. And like 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 people are like come on like, and like I said, it's nothing against Shakur. And like I said, he he still has a long future ahead of him, but like. Right, he's just getting started. Uh, yeah, Oscar Valdez is hot right now. He just he just beat the guy that I was chasing since I got title, and I give him that full That's respect. True. I, yeah, That's I, true. Yeah, I give him that full respect. I said, you know, I've never bashed Oscar. I said, hey, he's the man. Yes, I'm in the same division as him, but I will I'll say he's the man, but I would like to fight the man, you know, because that, that's always been my goal. And you, you see, I've always been the underdog and doubted, but I, I, I thrive off of that. So even, even going against Oscar, I don't really mind. Just give me – opportunity to showcase that and prove that I could be the best, at least in my division, before I mm-hmm. move on. Have you talked to anybody yet about that? Do they know your plans? Or have you oh, talked yeah. about this before? Okay, so they know. So they're yeah, maybe working they, on this. They, 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 definitely, they definitely know. Um, I, I made it known even to, um, you know, my team of BOMAC and down to even when I sat okay. with um, MTK Global when I, um, before I got in the ring with Frampton with my future plans, what I wanted. You know, after, if, you know, after I got through with Frampton, what I wanted either at 30 or 135, you know, but my, my thing has always been I always want to fight for the, uh, the lineal championship. I, I respect guys like, um, you know, Tyson Fury. Um, you know, I, I watched my stable mate, Bud Crawford. He, he did it at 135 and at 140. He has two. He has a fighter. And, I, and that's nothing also, Mike. I believe even like, with, a, with, a, with the year that I started out now, and it's just something that, you know, I dream about. If I have the same success against a guy like Oscar Valdez with a great performance, that also at least, you know, no matter what anybody says, that that just puts me in the conversation of being even fighter of the year. You oh, know? yeah. Because yeah, I, I looked at, like, how um, a guy that I admire, who I just beat, Carl Frampton, what he did, the quick fight, the, right. um, the Santa Cruz win. So like those like it's the, the little guys still have chances to be you know to do great big things, 
you know, in, in the sport of boxing. And I'm and I'm just trying to map out my 2021. I'm like, you know, if I beat the man and I grab another and another world title in the process with the WBC title, that's gotta that's gotta at least put my name in, in the runnings for fighter of the year. And that shows where you know I came from 2019 being a comeback fighter of the year. I had a rough 2020, but then I can go back and, and still, be, you know, potentially mentioned as fighter of the year the following year after that. That's just that, it's for me. Like I said, same thing with Frampton over the weekend. For me, it's about legacy. Yeah, and that really would be turning all that negative energy into something very, very positive. And you know, going into that <clears throat> Valdez fight, you're going to be the underdog. You already know that going in. So if you could pull that off, holy shit! I mean, listen, my my good friend Errol Spence um, Jr. since the Olympic team. He always gave me the, the nickname um, Cinderella Man, and Cinderella I, really, Man, yeah. I really believe that like that really plays even now as a world champion. Still, I'm still you know still fighting for my place at the table, but I don't mind. I don't. I don't. I'm not one of those fighters that cry and say I, I don't get the respect I deserve. No, I'm, I, I I want things to play out to where later on the fans and the people will decide where I stand out in boxing. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like say. I'm just happy with just winning. I'm just, I'm just actually happy and honored just to be here as a champion. Because most didn't even, like I said, after the Dennis Shavikov fight, most was didn't think I had a chance of even, you know, even, even sniffing a title, let alone winning one right. and successfully defending one. Because like my, um, like like my um partner JCO says, um, we go by the old school monarch. You're not a real champion until you defend the title. And I defended it now three times. So you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, I'm and happy. and. Coming off this kind of win, let's face it, Jamil, most most guys in your position right now would want that tune-up fight. Oh, let me make some cash. Let me make some money off this. You're calling out the guy that many people think is the top guy in the division. So you're, you're trying to walk right into want, that. Right, so that just shows the mentality I want that, I want that, that you next. have. I yeah, it's just me. I want that next. Um, I know I, I, I know. also that'll be a, a, a big money fight, too. But like you said, right. you do have the guy. You see, it's too many. You see it now. It's too much now. I need the, a tune-up um, fight. I need eight oh, weeks oh, for yeah. camp. I need this. Oh, I need oh, that. I, I need more money. I'm going to pay the bills. Okay, I can, we get that. But th- those belts do bring in great revenue, you know, you know, in your pocket. And I also Speaking of belts, I'm sorry to cut you up, but I just thought – what if the WBO said that they would strip you if you fought Valdez? Would it still be worth it to you to fight Valdez uh, if the WBO said, "Hey, if you don't fight Shakur, we're going to strip you"? Would you still move forward with that fight? Um, like I said, I love Paco and the WBO, but um, absolutely, absolutely, okay. I still would. Okay. Um, I know people will ask that. It's nothing. It's nothing. And it's like I said, it's, I'm not here to say that the WBO or, or the sanctions bodies is out here trying to control the, the fight, like because they they have been fair. They they they've been patient with the um Frampton fight, so it's nothing against the WBO. If that's their ruling, that's their ruling. But for me, I'm like I said, I'm fighting for my own legacy at this point in time. And um, I look at it as another world title being aligned with the WBC. But for the most part, right. I want the lineal. I want the Ring Magazine Championship at the end of the day, because um, just to because that right there also um even at the age and point in my career. That puts me years later in the conversation with even just with the Hall of Fame at that point in time. Absolutely, and that's, and that's how I look. And that's how I'm looking at it. I'm not looking at it as, and there's nothing like I said again. It's nothing against score. It, it's but with WBO mandatory. That's just another defense. With the Valdez fight, that is a, is a place and chance to make history, and that's how I look at it. Yeah, and the way I see it too, if if Top Rank did it right. 
and set up uh, Shakur to fight the winner between you and Valdez, it makes that fight bigger for Shakur, makes the fight that eventual fight bigger for everybody. But while it's, talking about Ring Magazine titles, um, a couple of your fellow uh, top-ranked guys, Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez, is going to fight to completely unify 140. Yeah. I wanted to ask you how you saw that fight, because you have a great boxing mind. You see things uh, that a lot of people don't see. How do you see that fight playing out? I go back and forth. And okay, yeah. It's one of those, literally, it's one of those pick em fights. And yeah. it's, like I said, like Jose, he could be a slow starter, like, as we know. But when he gets that engine going, you know, he can he can go. He can go. But, um, you know, Josh has that that real good pedigree and that boxing. His boxing IQ is amazing. Um, and, I, and, you know, when I actually dissect, Josh doesn't even I, well, he doesn't even have like twenty fights yet, but his resume in his six like, is stacked. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's really stacked, and it's like he gets better every fight. So he actually learns from each opponent. But Jose just has that that dog and that hunger, like I mean, in his own right. And it, like I'm, I'm going to the fight. You know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> yeah. And like, cause I enjoy actually being. I would be there, but Doug, t- Doug took that assignment because you know he's the <laughs> editor, so he's like, "I'm going." Everyone else, shut up. Yeah, so. But yeah, I, I go knows. back to that fight a lot. Even, um, with my, even my closest friends, I go back because I'm like, it's just, it's just a hard fight because, um, it seems like Josh is really, really hungry, and Jose, he's been, he's just quiet, but I know him personally from working around. And he's like, got that dog in him. Yeah, he's he got that dog in him. So. Yeah. I'm just like, man, I, I really want to see how, how that one plays out. So, all right, so you're, you're gonna you're gonna stay. Uh, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm <laughs> You're I'm not you're not gonna step over the ledge. You're gonna stay right on the. Yeah, because I can't. I, 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 I hear you. I mean, I can't. Like I said, I seen. You know how Jose performed with even my stablemate with Maurice Hooker. Right. That was good. That was great, good. Great performance. That was good. Yeah, that was good until in, 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 in the end. You know, Jose stepped in the gas, and once he it's like once he smells blood. Or sees sees any you falling back just a little bit, he's on you. Like I I remember I used to hate sparring with him on, on Olympic team because it's like this guy does not stop coming at you. It's always, and then like I, I fought Josh in the amateurs as well though. I fought Josh in the okay. amateurs. Um, you can matter of fact that fight's on YouTube still. Like you know, me me and Josh had a real good fight in London, and that's how we became good friends. You know, for the love of the sport. But you know, he's a real technically he knows his range. He knows how to use his distance. Um, even when you get like you know, we see with the progress fight. Um, when Regis would get on the inside, Josh kept he can fight cool. in there. Yeah, he, and he kept his cool. Because yeah. you know Jose, when he gets in there, he can make it uncomfortable for you. That's what I'm thinking. Like you know, how does Josh? I mean, yeah, how does Josh deal with Jose? And when Jose gets in there, because Jose is going to find it's going to be times he finds his way in there. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just interested in seeing how 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 Josh weathers that storm. But you know, I also want to see how um Jose. Weathers the storm of Josh being on the outside using his range and you know and being and being a southpaw as well. That's such a good fight, man. I, I can't wait for it. But I know that you guys, uh, you're probably getting ready for dinner soon with with the with the kids and everything. So I'll let I'm you go. Good, here. I'm good. I am good. Well, I'm, <laughs> you guys I'm, saying, I'm here. Mm, you're good. Oh yeah, you got to crack a beer. <laughs> uh, I got a call here, but. I was going to say, I, I don't want to start taking calls and doing all that. I don't want, want to put you through all that right now because um, I don't know. Uh, I got, I'm got. i going to get to my fight preview and everything coming up this week. I'll let you go. Okay. I know you're, you're a busy man. I can't, I can't tell you, uh, I can't thank you enough for getting on the show, man, because I know you probably are jet lagged as hell right now 
after like, uh, I don't know how I do. I don't, listen, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy for like I remember. Oh, when you when you said that, I was thinking about just everything the uh, the family team was saying, and I think like because you, you like said um you and I you know how it is again with the Marine Corps. Everything is more mental. So mm-hmm. when I kept hearing more about disadvantages, I was I was concerned. What was his real game plan? Because one thing it was. I was going to struggle with the weight, which I thought was bizarre because I've never came close or you box rec shows at all. I, I always, yeah, you're came, always on weight. I'm, I'm always underweight. I never, I never yes. been on the dot of anything. Like I never hit the limit. I actually came in lighter than him, you know, which is crazy, which is the funny part. And then it was, um, that I'd seen an interview afterwards something about, Oh, my body fat, my body, body fat was too low. So that's dangerous for my health. And, then it was the, oh, everyone's like, they oh, always got to say something. Yeah, yeah. But it was more uh it, 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 like when we got close to the fight, it got more of my like how I was feeling or my body or my weight or and things of that nature. Or and instead of like in the beginning of when the fight was first made, you know, you would hear things from him saying that he had the power to, to knock me out any round, he had the better feet, he had the quicker hands. It was more technique technique, and I and I and I actually mm. respect because I'm like, you know. He does hate, and I always said it in every interview. He beats me in experience. He beats me in the experience department. I give him that. But when we got close to the fight, it's like I felt like the team was trying to bank on having some type of you know disadvantage or or advantage over me with my health. Yeah, my weight, me showing up to the to to uh, Dubai when I did, and I started not starting like thinking like I think I'm really getting in his head. So that's yeah. why that's why when I when I got when you, if you watch the weigh in. I was real calm and collective. I was real calm and collective, and I got on the scale. I knew I was, I was fine. I and there's nothing because, like you pointed out, I watched everything, Mike. So when I seen Bachelt Valdez situation, when Bachelt got the scale, he quickly rushed to you know get something in his system. He couldn't even mm-hmm. speak through interviews because he was so you know out of it, dehydrated, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. But me, I got, I got the scale. I walked over to my team. I took a sip of what I was drinking, and I just went off. Even at the press conference, when the press conference came, I didn't. I walked in there like a typical Marine, and I just had to just stare. I looked straight into the camera. That was a mile Yeah, and then he got up, and then he shook my hand. I said, okay, all that that animosity that I thought he had is not there. Okay, okay, he still he has some respect. So I'm going to be polite in during this press conference, and I'm not going to get disrespectful on, on the mic. But I started – it's like for us, it's everything is – we look at the – we have mentalities at. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we know the physical aspect – we win it, but I'm like, if we could beat you mentally, I got you. And I feel like I beat him mentally going into that that, that fight. That's why I, I uh, it played an intricate role into my success going into the, how I dominated the whole fight. Yeah, the body language, it seemed pretty clear to me that that he knew very, very quickly what he was in against. Right. And right. that it was your night. Because to me, I, he kind of capitulated. but. Yeah. That's what I'm not saying. Reality, I, you beat I, I, that I, I, out of him. Reality is, I think, reality is setting in right now. Reality, and I, yeah. That's why I, I, I just kept my cool. All the way up. it's like I said, my, my trainer at Spikes. He even said that after the fight, he said you were so calm. I was kind of worried because you were just too relaxed. I was like, no, I, I just, I said, I, I, everything the hard work's already been done, and I know, mm-hmm. I know what I needed to do. So I just got to go in here and just and just keep cool and don't you know overreact or you know, bite or any of his traps. Yeah. When, when you put in that work and then everything you went through last year yeah. and everyone's saying, Oh, this, they're saying what they're saying, but you know what the truth is. Yeah. And that's not, you, you knew all I that. Didn't that in the pressure on him. I didn't have it. That's, that's what I was saying. I said, he put so much pressure on himself. 
You know, yeah. I want to be the um, Ireland's first three to three um, divisional world champion. Great, but the, the thing, like I say, he was telling everybody that he was going to dominate me. He um he was going he was going to overwhelm me. He was going to knock me out. He put pressure on himself. Me, I, the whole the whole buildup. You can look at every. I stayed calm and cool. I didn't go. I, if anything, I just, I just kept giving him his respect, his credit for what he's mm-hmm. done in the sport. But I just said, hey, I believe that I'm gonna win. And I kept it short and simple. Everybody, when people when people press for it, are you gonna knock him out? Are you going? Are you are you going? Are you going to do this? Nah. Now I don't believe Fury cheated. I don't, uh, yeah. That's nothing. I, I, I had to bring that up I because article, I seen a video. They they said that I confirmed. Yes. I like. How can I confirm something out where I wasn't at? I said. And my, I'm glad that I'm glad. How does this shit get started? Like for real? How? Where does it come from? And I was the only one, one of the guys who said, if if Fury cheated, would you? Wouldn't you thank Mark Breland for stopping the fight? Like, right, yeah. right. He was criticizing stopping the fight for saving this fight. I'm like, so if Fury supposedly cheated, when you when you the same people that are saying Fury cheated are, are, are the same ones that also are mad at Mark Breland for stopping the fight. And that's the guy who got fired. The guy who, in my opinion, not maybe not saved Deontay Wilder's life, but he definitely part of it. Up. Yeah, he say if they like boxing. Like you may can leave on your two feet, but sometimes those fights take a lot out of you. Like I'm not, yeah. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad. Like, um, true story. After the Shavakar fight, I was messed up. I couldn't even Mike. I couldn't even walk up steps because my mm. everything was so off. Like from like, I, like a lot of people don't know. I had to stay the night in a hospital. I didn't go home the next day for my flight. I had to miss my flight to stand up to recover. And when I went home for like a week. I couldn't hear Edison. I couldn't hear um, or see. I was still seeing flashes out of my right eye. I couldn't walk up the steps. So, like, yeah, like some of those fights, they can take a lot out of you where you won't be the same. Luckily for me, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm glad I, I um, recovered. But heavyweights, these guys are 200 something pounds beating on you. And, and Fury, he was just getting warmed up. So That's I'm a like, big man. Yeah, it's That's a big, big man. man. He's bigger than Wilder. Yeah. And you see what he's doing. So I'm like, nah, but I don't. I don't think I don't think Tyson cheated. Um, I, All right, so we got that on record. So think, that, think, the the think, YouTube I think, videos. I think I think as ridiculous as I, I, people even put me into that. Like I don't get into that mess. Um, and I like I said, I, and I, I tell people all the time. I was actually I actually thought that Wilder was going to win it because I did too. Because we always seen that in rematches, Wilder is a lot better than he was in the first fight. Stavern, um punchers and rematches tend it, to do well. Exactly. Fury changed up that style. And you know what it was, man? That first fight, he was so herky-jerky with all yeah. this. If you watch that second fight, he's still got head movement, but it's it's just kind of... It's subtle. It's subtle. Slow, yeah, it's subtle. subtle. It's you know, and he's, and he's moving forward with it. You know, he's doing that crunk shit. And it was so effective. I just don't see how Wilder can win that third fight. I mean, he could still land the right hand, but yeah, I got a favor. Hey, hey, heavyweight division, everybody got that puncher chance. Everybody got course, that, of course. that puncher chance. But no, I don't think that. Um, I respect Tyson. I I said all the time, Tyson to me right now is the the best heavyweight in the world. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to see the Joshua fight, but I'm not. I wouldn't be upset if we do get a third Wilder fight. But um, nah, he he did it, dude. Don't discredit that man. Just be happy. If anything, I told people all the time, just be happy if a third fight is made and where Wilder can redeem himself and go from there. Right. But, this whole, that'd be a huge story. If Wilder were able to win that third fight, that'd be a massive, massive comeback. Is, 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 is just garbage. But I was just more upset how, how 
how Breland was was you know treated in the end. And Mark Breland's such a good human being. He's such a good man, and to be treated like that, I, I just it's it's pretty disgusting. But I could rant on that for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Brother, uh, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you for coming back on the show. We'll have you back on before the Valdez fight happens. Okay. Hint, hint wink, wink. I think it's that. Gonna I think it's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. Like I said, yeah. not like hey, people, people. Of course, you know, Mike. I'm probably going to get bashed all along. I'm ducking, and I'm like, no, I'm fighting for. You're, like, you'd be fighting the more proven guy. I guess Shakur Stevenson is a high upside, but yeah, sure, Oscar Valdez yeah. is the more proven sure, fighter. Sure. Like I said, he's the, the truth, and I mean, very talented. Two division champion. He will be, and he will be, he will be on that pound list. But right now, I'm just going for the the man. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I hear you, man. Well, have a good night. Tell Jennifer I said hi. I will, and uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time. All right, Semper Fi, baby. Hoorah, hoorah. There he goes, Jamel Semper Fi Herring. You guys can see uh, why I'm I'm such a just a fan of his. He's just a great guy, just a great dude, and. What a performance Saturday against Carl Frampton. Um, and with everything this man has been through, uh, he deserves everything that's coming to him, you know, because I think he's going to start getting the accolades and everything that he deserves. And yes, do I want to see Shakur Stevenson fight a guy like Jamel Herring or fight any of the other top junior lightweights out there? Of course I do. But there's time for that. And I'm not trying to, you know, delay anything. But he's he, honestly, come on, guys. He's a prospect. He really is. He's a baby contender, a prospect. Oscar Valdez just beat Miguel Burchelt. He was a champion at 26. Now he's a champion at 30. Jamel coming off this, this victory against Carl Frampton. This is the time to make Jamel Herring and Oscar Valdez to make that fight. And I think that we're going to get it later this year. I think top rank will figure out some way, whether it's paying uh, Stevenson step aside money or doing a deal with the BO where the winner has to fight Stevenson next, or maybe he fights for an interim title in the interim while we see Valdez and Herring fight. I think all that's going to work out, man. I, and, and that's a fantastic matchup. Admit it. It's a fantastic matchup. So um, I really hope that we get to see that. And uh, Jamel is just such a great dude. All right, let's jump. We got a well, quick call guys. And then we'll get to this fight preview. Okay. But uh, this whole this caller has been on the line for like 15 minutes, so I want to get him on. 570, you're on the show. 570. Hey, you got me out of power cleans here. Uh, power cleans. Hey, What's up, man? Is this dad? Yeah. What's up, bro? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Hey, great call. You should have kept him on the line. He could have chatted and debated. Um, but I don't know if you have three-way. But it's just a suggestion maybe next time. No, no, yeah, yeah. I, I could, he would have absolutely. Jamel has uh, actually taken calls on the show before, so he would have been willing. I just didn't know. You never know when someone's calling in yeah. what they want to talk about, you know? So I didn't know. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, with with respect to, you know, what he was talking about, you know, great win. Uh, I hope that fight's next up for him with Valdez. I, Shakur Stevenson standing in the way is, is ridiculous. He hasn't beaten anyone yet. He's a prospect. Right. Prospects should not be fighting for titles or holding titles if you want to develop. Once you hold a title, you you should be fighting the best. Period. That goes for Devin Haney and all these other guys. It's it, that's what's wrong with boxing, in my opinion. They're they're raising up these prospects holding titles and they're blocking fights. Like we saw with Haney trying to block the fight with uh, Lomachenko and uh, Lopez. That was ridiculous. But um, here's my main point. Um, the Zone had a couple fights on. A lot of prospects. Madrimov, Gaiasef, um, Kulik, uh, actually, uh, Kulikano is on the, uh, ESPN, but you see a lot of these, um, 
Eastern European Kazakh fighters with, with two wins, five wins, six wins, and they're fighting guys with a record of 20-0, 14-0, 14 knockouts, and they're blowing these guys out. This is how you develop a fighter. You fight styles that you're going to see later on, and you deal with them. You throw these guys at a fire, and if they lose, so be it, because you could still develop with a loss. Absolutely. Too much emphasis put on undefeated records. That's why American boxing is, is a shadow of, of its once great self. Yeah. You have too many guys worried about taking a loss. So these guys are, are impressing, like with two, two uh, wins on his record. Um, Terzenbay, Cal- uh, Terzenbay from uh, Kazakhstan. Knocks out a guy, what, 20-0? And, and you have Madrimov just absolutely putting on a clinic. Mm-hmm. Against a guy 14 or no, 14 KOs in his seventh fight. This is how you raise fighters. Yep. And it was a great card on Gazon. And you saw in the main event, um, Akmayev, Akma, um, or AK as I call him. Yeah, he had a nice stoppage. It was a little premature, yep. but he was the better fighter. He's 9 and 0, and he's a, he's a world champ. Okay. Um, Unified world champ. And then champ. this week you have. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to put your, you know, the pedal to the metal when you're a prospect. And if you have that amateur background, which these guys have, you should just go for it right then and there. I mean, there is developing, but you know, how much more can you develop when you fight the world-class opposition in in the amateurs? So that's, that's my gripe with American boxing right now, because you're going to see Jared Ennis coming up. You know, he he has like 26 fights. He hasn't fought anybody. Um, He's fighting, fighting Lipinets, who's a, a lighter weight guy, smaller guy, you should blow him out. But he should have been fighting him a year ago or two years ago. So it's it's a pro it's a process that's taking so long. It's like record padding. You saw it with yeah. Wilder and you see how that turns out. And now through the rumor mill today, um, you see Michael Benson putting out a tweet that said the rumor is that Wilder might be fighting uh, yeah, I don't know what They're to growing. think about that. Yeah, so so just for the people listening who don't know, uh, Michael Benson and a few other people on Twitter uh, tweeted that the rumor is uh, Deontay Wilder is going to fight. Um, who is it again? I can't even remember who the opponent is. That Juan Negron. He was Juan just, Negron. He was knocked out. Puerto Rican fighter by Brazil. Who was just beat, beat right up by. Uh, he's he's a level below Dominic Brazil. And that this is supposed to be on pay-per-view, I think Fox pay-per-view in July. Now, I haven't heard anything about this. June, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, June. Okay. yeah, I, That tells you how much attention I paid to it. I don't even know which month it was or the opponent. Right. But look, it, at some point, Deontay has to come back. I, I do know that there was talks about him fighting Charles Martin, and that actually was legitimate. They were exploring that. But this, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I really don't know if that. If they're really going that direction, it's going to tell you a couple of things. Number one, Deontay Wilder is finished. His mind just isn't there. I mean, I, I'm going to say he's going to be Michael Grant after the Lennox Lewis defeat. He got knocked out in the first 10 seconds against Jamil Big Time McCloin. You remember that. Um, once you're you're exposed, and Wilder was exposed, he was beaten to a pulp. And like you said before, Breland saved his life. He really did. And once you're once you're exposed to that nature where – you cannot deal with a pressure fighter and, and moving backward. You, you can't fight back going backwards. Every fighter knows that now. So Yeah, but how many fighters can do what Tyson Fury did? I mean, honestly, I think Anthony Joshua not a can. Grown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Course. The top 10 easily could. I don't, I don't know about the top 10. I don't know about the top 10. 
Well, I'll tell you right now, Otto Verlin would box Wilder's Wilder's head off, but the, but his but he people can't hurt him. put him in with anybody like that. It's going to take somebody that can hurt. Wilder takes a good punch. Valin takes a good punch, but, by, but he, uh, he doesn't have power. Valin doesn't have power himself. And and Wilder is the, the yeah, no. faster, more athletic guy in that matchup. So it would be interesting, though. I will, I'll give well, you he's that. he's faster athletic. Huh? Yeah, he doesn't have a chin. And, and we saw that with uh, Harold Sconiers. I mean, he dusted Wilder off long ago, you know, and, and that chin was, all, was always exposed. Um, again, it, it's just going to come down to protecting Wilder at this point. And that... And that shows me that PBC is just looking to cash this guy out. And if they think the fans are that stupid, what does that say about the fan base at PBC? If people, if they think they're executives who have, you know, doctorate degrees in, in business economics, okay, some of them, if they think the fan base is that stupid to pay for a pay-per-view against Wanda Grown, that tells you something. That's a scary, scary prognosis in, in American boxing if that's the case. That so, wouldn't that wouldn't be you know, a fight. I, that wouldn't be for the fight fans. That would be a card for Deontay Wilder fans. That would be Deontay Wilder fans. Oh, absolutely. To buy to watch it. And, and, you know, maybe that does a hundred, two hundred thousand pay per view buys, and maybe that's all that they would need to uh, to to you know, pay everybody. But again, we're talking about the hypothetical. I, I think at some point, yeah. Um, I, I do think that. I don't know if we, at some point we'll get the third fight between Fury and Wilder. I don't know if it'll be next or not. You know, it, it comes down to economics and everything else. Yeah, I but, don't see it coming down. Yeah. I see Fury fighting AJ and then maybe a rematch and then I think he retires. I, I just don't see anything else out there for him. What else can he do more? He could fight Wilder? Andy Ruiz. A fight, but look, if Andy Ruiz is going to beat the hell out of Chris Ariola and, and, and that fight shouldn't be happening either. It shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't it be really on pay per view. All that being said, it's it's going to be a fun crowd and it's going to be an entertaining fight just because of the styles. Uh, yeah. I worry about Chris Ariola's Poor health, Ariola. but yeah, he's going to get paid well. Too. This is his retirement check. But Wilder, that's the thing, man. Wilder doesn't need a third fight with Fury. I don't know why they'd even want to be in a, in a rush right. to do that. You could, he could fight somebody yeah. like Andy Ruiz. Now Andy might beat him, but yeah. Wilder might beat Ruiz. And that that would be a pay per view fight. It might do three hundred thousand buys, mm-hmm. and it makes some money. So he does have options, man. Yeah. But yeah, mentally, actually, John Uden has a great comment here. He he says that Wilder was exposed more in how he handled the loss mentally than how he was actually beaten in the ring. I agree with that one hundred percent. I think the way he's handled oh, everything yeah. since is um, just indicative of where he is just mentally. And and you you know this. I yeah. mean, sports is so much about psychology, especially boxing. So, one hundred percent. And 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 I gotta say, it's not the mindset of a marine. Okay, let's just put it that way. He doesn't have the mental. He doesn't have Jamel Herring's to, mindset. To get through <laughs> the loss. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Any marine. Okay. I yeah. have respect for you guys. Thank you. So, uh, one more thing here. It's the hundred fifth anniversary of Jess Willard, the Galveston Giant, knocking out Jack Johnson, hundred and five years ago. Okay. Wow. I was once at a uh, an auction. They had a ticket stub for that. It was uh, like eight hundred dollars. I lost that on the bid. But there's a lot of history there. People should realize boxing is one of the richest uh, traditions in American history. So, um, absolutely. You know, that being said, yeah, I hope I'm looking forward to Joe Smith. Um, I think he has the best chance to beat Baturbiev. After seeing Baturbiev after COVID, he's a live dog. 
I think he beats uh, Maxim Vlasov, and uh, you know we'll see. We might have an American-born light heavyweight champ very soon. That'd be something. That would be something. Yes, it would. So, all right. Well, thanks for the time as always. Yeah, Great man. Uh, good stuff, and uh, get back to your power cleans. <laughs> all right, man. Bye, bye. Have a good one. <clears throat> All right, there he goes. Um, I for, I forgot to uh, – I didn't even see this during the interview, but Doug Fisher was on. Uh, and Doug left a couple comments here, so I, I just want to get to Doug's comments because I didn't even – Doug says, we heard you, we heard you, Jamel. We heard you. Look for an advancement in 130-pound rankings this week. Yes, sir. That is definitely happening. Got to love uh, Herring's mindset. Let's see here. And – Herring is thinking about legacy for real respect. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. All right. So Doug Fisher checking in on the show. Awesome. Thanks for listening, Doug. Thanks for uh, getting on the comments. All right. Uh, now it is time for fight preview, ladies and gentlemen. Let's preview what's going on this weekend. So um, we have three different cards this Saturday, April 10th. Three dueling cards. Let's start over in London at Wembley Arena in the U.K., uh, Matchroom on the zone, of course, over there, it's on Sky. In the main event, Connor Bend, 17-0, 24 years old, of course, the son of Nigel Ben, going up against the very experienced Samuel Vargas. I like this matchup for Ben. Vargas, yes, he, he loses when he steps up in opposition, but he's fought everybody. You look at everybody right now. I mean, uh, he's fought several guys who were prospects who are unified world champions right now. So, his level of experience, uh, Ben going up against this level of fighter, I like it. Also, some women's boxing. I know. I hear some groans from some of you, but um, I got to talk about this. Shannon Courtney, 6-1, going up against Ebony Bridges, 5-0 for the vacant bantamweight title. Now, I bring this up because uh, it is it is for a, a vacant title, 118 pounds, but also because uh, Ebony Bridges takes a lot of heat from people that say that she gets too much love and that it's because she's she's a good-looking woman. She's she's very attractive physically. And more than that, she's got an attractive personality and markets herself well. She does wear skimpy outfits at weigh-ins. She does post-workout videos and skimpy outfits. Basically, she does the Instagram model thing, and she can box a little bit. So she takes a lot of heat, a lot of heat from people on uh, social media, and not just from, like, crazy boxing fans, but also from fellow female fighters i've seen a lot of different female fighters go after her and say all kinds of nasty stuff so this is her chance this is her chance to really really show that she belongs in a discussion uh, i think that this is going to be because of what's at stake and for shannon courtney you know uh ebony's been playing some some mind games with her she's responded to that there's a little bit of bad blood there she doesn't want to be the girl that lost to a quote-unquote and I, this is not me saying this but people on Twitter, quote unquote, Instagram model who tries to box, right? She doesn't want to be that woman. So there's a lot at stake for both of these women in this fight. That's why I think it's going to actually be uh, entertaining and worth checking out. Also, Savannah Marshall, 9-0, first defense of her WBO middleweight title that she won against Hannah Rankin uh, her last time in the ring. And of course, people talk about Savannah Marshall a lot because she is the only woman to beat um, uh, Clarissa Shields and the amateurs. Now, me personally, I think people make way too much out of that. If you look at the age difference, Clarissa was just a pup. She was just learning at that point. So there is somewhat of a mental edge maybe for Marshall, but this is the pros. And in the pros, as weak as Clarissa Shields' resume is in terms of her level of opposition, 
it's still light years above who Savannah Marshall has fought so far as a pro. So Clarissa, much further along as a pro, obviously much more accomplished. In the future, though, wouldn't mind maybe seeing a fight between Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall. Savannah, I just think, needs to fight a couple more top fighters uh, before we go there. Okay, also, uh, Thad on the phone was talking about Joe Smith Jr. fighting Maxim Vlasov. That is uh, the headliner of a top rank on ESPN show from the Osagi Casino. I don't know if it's Osage. To me, it looks like Osage, you know, but, but I know it's not Italian. Osagi Casino, Osag Casino, I don't know, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joe Smith against uh, Maxim Vlasov, vacant WBO light heavyweight title. Scheduled for, uh, this was originally scheduled for earlier in the year, right? But then the COVID, uh, Vlasov tested positive for COVID, so it got pushed back. And now we are going to get it. So uh, I think a lot of people are thinking Smith is just going to plow through Vlasov. I actually think this is going to be a competitive fight. I favor Smith, but uh, Vlasov is experienced, man. And he fought at cruiserweight for a long time. He's fought a lot of big, strong, athletic fighters. And now he's crunched back down to 75. As long as he's doing that in a healthy way, he can handle power. And so, therefore, I think this is going to be a competitive fight. But I favor Joe Smith. He seems to be peaking right now as a pro. Uh, also on this card, some heavyweight projects. F.A. Ajagba, 14-0, going up against Brian Howard. He's, he's going to win this fight, but how is he going to win this fight? He is, a pro, he is a project. He's a prospect, but also a project heavyweight. One of these guys that uh, came into the sport later on that was blowing people away uh, earlier in his career, and people got really, really excited because he blew out a, you know, a certain level of fighter. And then once they stepped up just a little bit, he's looked a little more, more vulnerable. He's still undefeated. He's won every fight. But he hasn't looked like the same killer. And so uh, top rank, top rank, they're no dummies. They signed this guy because they saw something there. All right. But he's a project. And they're going to take their time and work on this thing. Same thing with Trey Lippe Morrison, Tommy Morrison's son. He's 16-0 and 0 versus right now TBA. Doesn't even have an opponent right now. So he's going to win. And whoever they get for him, he's going to blast them out of there in two or three rounds. But he's very much a project heavyweight as well, where they're going to take their time. Obviously being Tommy Morrison's kid, there's a marketability factor there, but um, they got to take their time and build him up the right way too. So that's the top rank show. And of course, PBC on Showtime, they have a great main event, Mohegan Sun Casino uh, on Cansville, Connecticut, Jerron Boots Ennis, 26 and 0 out of Philadelphia, blue chip prospect all the way. As uh, the caller Thad referred to a few minutes ago, uh, people have been waiting for him to step up. Part of that has been people not really in a rush to fight him. Part of that has been his management taking her sweet ass time. It's a little bit of both, but now good step up opponent here against Sergey Lipinets. Of course, this is a welterweight fight. Uh, Lipinets, his only one loss was to Mikey Garcia. Absolutely no shame in that. He's never been stopped. I'm going to make a bold statement here and say that Jerron Boos and it stops Sergey Lipinets. And I don't even think that's like a big, bold statement. Actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, I think most people expect Ennis to win this fight in pretty dominant fashion. But to stop Sergey Lipinets, that's saying something because uh, no one else has been able to do it so far. But he's been in just enough tough fights where he's taken a lot of punishment. Didn't look particularly great his last time out in the ring. I think Ennis is going to stop him, man. I think he's going to look really, really great in this fight. Also on this card, uh, 2016 Lithuanian Olympian 
who now fights out of Oxnard, uh, Imantis Stanionis, 12 and 0. Uh, this is a welterweight prospect, another welterweight. Smart move by uh, by PBC to put these two welterweights, these two young welterweights on the same card. He's going up against Thomas Delorme, who is a very experienced fighter. He's lost when he steps up, but a very experienced welterweight, been there with some top guys. So this is a really nice step up fight for the Lithuanian. I like it. And Jerwin Ancajas going up against Jonathan Rodriguez, defending his uh, junior bantamweight title that he won in 2016. He's had a somewhat disappointing title run. As loaded as the 115-pound division is with all these great top fighters who are all fighting each other and doing this round robin, Jerwin Ancajas is kind of sitting over here. He's fighting pretty often. He's fighting two or three times a year. He's defended his belt multiple times. He just ain't fought nobody. We need, to get, we need to see him in there against the other top guys in this division. Uh, he had no fights, of course, in 2020. So he's had, uh, prior to that, you know, 2017, 18, 19, like I said, kind of busy fighting a few times a year. But it's a loaded division. There's all these other great fighters. Fight one of them. So he's going to win this fight here. Cool. After that, start calling out some of these other names, man. Estrada and Chocolatito just fought for the second time. They're going to fight for a third time later this year. We've got Ioka. We've got all these other fighters. Uh, McWilliams Arroyo is still around. Uh, who, who am I forgetting? Carlos Quadras. There's all these guys still around. Call one of them out. Fight one of them. Because I, I think Encajas is talented. I just want to see him against one of these top guys. Okay. let's. Uh, we have a super chat. Let me jump over to that real quick. Super chat pledge from Chit Nonpareil, Trent Nonpareil. Thank you so much, Trent. He asks, uh, is Benavidez on standby? If Saunders pulls out or fake news, ha, that's pretty good. Congrats to the Uzbeks and Herring. Big weekend. Yeah, I know Trent is a big follower of Uzbekistan boxing. He knows all the guys coming out of there. Uh, keeps up with the amateurs, too. And this was a big weekend for them. Great card uh, put on by uh, by Matchroom. And it's just a smart idea, and I hope we see more of that. And keeping those guys busy and building them up. Uh, definitely uh, congrats to all those guys who continue to win and are challenging themselves. And of course, to Jamel, I agree with you, Trent. But uh, Benavidez, now he's not on standby. I don't think Saunders is going to pull out. There's no shenanigans uh, with the, what, 40, 50,000 tickets already sold for Canelo Saunders. Uh, that fight is definitely happening May 8th in uh, Texas, in Dallas. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be there uh, Big Dan Raphael got that assignment for ring, so he's going to be covering that event down there. So um, I won't be in Dallas, but uh, maybe I'll do a live fight party on my channel and we'll watch it together, guys, because those are a lot of fun. I think that might be pretty cool. All right. Uh, Lamon in the chat says, Stanionos is scary AF. Yes. And Trent says Stanionos, Butev, and Jose Ramos are beast at 147 for PBC. Yeah, PBC is set up pretty well with the prospects they got uh, in and around 147. Um, so they're, they're set up real well. They're, look, man, there's some really, really good young fighters coming up in this sport right now. I, I mean, I'm excited to see some of these younger guys uh, start coming up and having their chance. And I think that um, you're going to start seeing them come out more in 2021. Unfortunately, with these older guys coming back and everything, you know, that's going to delay some of that growth. But for the diehard boxing fans, look, man, and this is stepping up. We recently saw 
Garcia step up, you know, so these guys are stepping up and taking on better fighters. The fighters from overseas, they're still doing their thing. And uh, the guys from Eastern Europe, Central Asia, they come up real fast. And um, some of these young American guys and, and, and from different parts of the world, uh, like, like Trent said, Stanionos, Butev, Ramos, all these guys, in, in the next year or so, we're going to see them really, really start to step up and take on some really not elite level opposition, but almost elite. And um, that's an exciting time, man. So, all right, let's get that intro music going. I don't know if I told you guys, my brother produced all this music we have on the show, so uh, it's 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 nice to play this stuff. But uh, let's see, uh, we'll we'll leave on a negative note. Uh, w. Riles is uh, talking about Ebony Bridges, saying she's on OnlyFans. She is making a mockery. Shannon is also a horrible boxer. Well, damn, you just don't like that fight this weekend, do you? Well, you'll have to watch it. I'm going to check it out. I think it's going to be fun. Lamar well, in the chat says, Keyshawn Davis is the future of boxing. He did well again last weekend. Yes, thanks for reminding me. Uh, he got in four rounds, which was good. He got in some work this past weekend. But, yeah, man, he's going to be a really, really good fighter. Mandeli CA asks, any news on Triple G? Haven't heard much since his fight in December. No, haven't heard shit. I don't know what to say about Triple G right now. It's disappointing, and it's kind of sad, honestly, guys, because uh, my man Steve Kim tweeted about that over the weekend, I think, or maybe late last week, talking about what a fun ride that was for a few years there. And, and for me, fortunately, I got to be like a part of it. But um, it seems like the ride is over. I don't know. We'll find out find out. All right, guys. uh, Have a good one. We'll do it again next Monday. I'll see you at the fights.